Our scripture reading this morning comes from John chapter 6, verses 25 to 40, and it can be found on page 1,657 in your pew Bibles. When the crowd found Jesus on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth, you're looking for me, not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works God requires? The work of God is this, believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what miraculous sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, I tell you the truth. It is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, from now on, give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry, and he who believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and still you do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of all those that he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. The word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, be to, to God. God. Well, good morning. So my name is Rick Britton, and I'm one of the elders here, and uh, I'll be preaching two of the sermons in the seven-week series on the I Ams of Jesus. And uh, I was thrilled that we sang that, uh, that, that hymn, that great old hymn, And Can It Be? That was the seminary hymn at Dallas Seminary where I attended, and I love that, and uh, remember many good... Uh, rousing renditions of that as so we had all the seminary students together singing that in the chapel well every year about this time during the lenten season i see magazine and newspaper articles uh, in the grocery store or at the bookstore uh, or in a news magazine with titles like who was jesus and uh, publishers know that christians like me are going to buy these magazines to see what everybody's saying about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I'm usually disappointed because they almost always get it wrong. Things weren't different 2,000 years ago. The big question, the hot topic in Jerusalem, Judea and Galilee was, who is Jesus? Just like it is today. Some said 
isn't this Joseph, the carpenter's son? No, he's Elijah. No, one of the prophets. No, the Messiah. No, check the scriptures. The Messiah doesn't come from Nazareth. But what I love about John's gospel is that he wrote precisely to answer this question, who is Jesus? And so for the next seven weeks, we're going to look at the seven I am statements of Jesus in the gospel of John. I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the door. I am the good shepherd. I am the resurrection in the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And I am the true vine. And each one of these teaches us a little something different about the person of Jesus Christ, but all of them have one thing in common. All of them hearken back to Exodus 3.14. You remember that? When Moses asked God what his name was, and God declares his name, I am. So whatever these statements mean, if nothing else, they are unapologetic, unmitigated claims of Jesus that he is indeed the Christ the Holy One of God, God's own Son, very God of very God, God incarnate, King of kings, Lord of lords, Lion of the tribe of Juba, He is the Messiah. So we're going to start today by looking at the first I Am statement in John chapter 6, the bread of life. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. And I want to give you a little context because I think it's important to understanding what Jesus is saying to look at all of John chapter 6. Three things happen in quick succession. Boom, boom, boom in John 6. First thing, Jesus feeds 5,000. Do you realize that's the only miracle that occurs in all four Gospels? So it's a, it's a really important miracle. And uh, you know the story. Uh, the people have seen Jesus' signs. They come out, his, his miracles, his sign miracles. John calls them signs, by the way, not miracles, because they point to something about who Jesus is. So, so these guys come out, and you've got 5,000 hangry people. There's no food. They're out in the wilderness or wherever they could get 5,000 people together to listen to Jesus. And so, you know, long story short, Jesus takes five little barley loaves and two little fishes from a little boy's lunch, and he feeds them all as much as they can eat, and when they're done, the disciples go around and pick up 12 baskets full of bread. Amazing. An amazing miracle. That's number one. Jesus feeds the 5,000. And oh, by the way, John also tells us that after he did this, some of the Jews tried to make him king by force. They wanted to make him king, and Jesus doesn't want to be the kind of king that they wanted to make him. So he slips away into the hills. Second thing that happens in John chapter 6, when Jesus slips away, his disciples get into a boat and start to row across the Sea of Galilee. A storm brews up, and they're trying to row, and they're not making progress, and they're out there, and they're in the middle of the lake, and all of a sudden they see Jesus walking on water. And they're terrified. Because they don't realize right away it's Jesus. And then Jesus comes up to the boat and he says, Do not be afraid, it is I. And literally he says in the Greek text, I am. Do not be afraid, I am. Harkens back to Exodus 3, 14 again. And then what's really cool, John says, then immediately, they're in the middle of this stormy lake, immediately they're at the shore and they get out. 
So that's number two. You've got the feeding of the 5,000. You've got the walking on water. John only records seven miracles of Jesus. And two of them happen right here as the setup for the bread of life sermon he gives. And that's the third thing. He gives this sermon, the bread of life sermon. So it's a, it's a uh, I call this the greatest sermon in history. Of course, the Sermon on the Mount's probably got that, uh, that tag. But this one is right up there with the Sermon on the Mount. Christians call this the Paschal Discourse. It's more than a sermon. It's a dialogue with some Jewish folks who came to hear him after he did all these miracles and fed the 5,000, and they've seen all this. So they come to find out from him who he really is. And so uh, he gives a real barn burner of a sermon. Listen, this is no Joel Olstein, you know, your best life now fluff, right? This is a barn burner, rip-roaring, and a watershed moment in Jesus' ministry. Because after this sermon, people are called to make a decision, and they go one of two ways, and many disciples leave. We'll, we'll look at that. So I'm going to look at, we can't cover every detail of this great sermon. It's pretty lengthy this morning. But I want to look at three things that attempt to answer the question, what does it mean when Jesus says, I am the bread of life? The first thing it means is Jesus is God's provision for hungry people. Jesus is God's provision for hungry people. If you look at the context here, starting in verse 25, Jesus is talking to the Jews. They come come to find him. They follow him because of the miracles, the recent feeding of the 5,000. But though they saw these signs, they missed it. They didn't get it that he was the divine Messiah. So they they come seeking to find out who, who really is this guy? Who is this Jesus and Jesus says, hey, you're looking for me because, not because you saw the signs, but because you had your stomachs filled when he fed the 5,000. And he says, look, I want you to know there's something more important than physical food. It's to believe in me, that God sent me. Now look what he says in, in verse 30. And if you have your Bibles, I hope you'll, you'll follow along. There's a couple of verses I want to point out as we go through this. Look at what, uh, let me read verse 30 to 35 again. I know we heard it, but so they asked him, What sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written, he gave, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. You remember the story of the manna in the wilderness. For 40 years, God's people were fed by bread from heaven. In fact, this is a quote from Deuteronomy in verse 30. He gave them bread from heaven. God gave the people, the children of Israel, bread from heaven. So basically what they're saying is, Jesus, you claim to be somebody. Uh, You you fed 5,000 people for a day. Well, you know what? Moses fed a whole nation for 40 years with bread from heaven. I mean, top that one if you really claim to be someone. Now listen to what Jesus says in response, verse 32. Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Then they say, Sir, 
give us this bread. They still think he's talking about physical bread here. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Well, Jesus goes on, as you read through this sermon, to draw a parallel between manna and himself. Manna was sent by God. Jesus was sent by the Father. Manna is called bread from heaven. Jesus says, I am the true bread from heaven. Uh, Manna came by God's grace to a grumbling people. Jesus came by God's grace to sinners, and in this text here, they're grumbling. Yeah, who is this Jesus? Jesus, show us, a, show us a better miracle. Manna gave life to God's people. The bread of life gives life to God's people. Manna solved their hunger problem for 40 years. Jesus offers eternal, eternal life. So Jesus, the first thing, when he says, I am the bread of life, It means that he is God's provision for hungry people, spiritually hungry people. Now, a little bit of a side note. I don't want to just talk about Jesus fulfilling our spiritual hunger. Don't miss the fact that Jesus actually fed 5,000 people real food in the wilderness. And when you read Mark's version of that account, he says that Jesus had compassion on them. So John kind of presents the miracle as a sign, evidence of who Jesus is, but it's also true that Jesus fed them because they needed to be fed. And so my point here is that Jesus meets our needs, not only spiritual, but he promises to meet our physical needs, like going out and walking on water to save the disciples in the boat, in the context here. Uh, Nobody saw that sign miracle except his disciples. But it was important because they needed help. And it was evidence to them and to us of who Jesus is. Now, I say this, that, uh, that we need to think about uh, Jesus helping us in our daily need. Manna was given, you only got enough for that day. Grace for the day. And here's the point. Jesus came to be bread of life spiritually, but also... He cares about our daily needs. And it's really important for us to know that and hear that, even in this passage. Because the COVID-19 pandemic has had a major effect on our lives. Many of us are still facing challenges that can be stressful and overwhelming for adults and especially for children. The public health actions we've all taken, such as social distancing and masks, are necessary to reduce the spread of COVID, but they make us feel lonely and isolated and increase stress and increase anxiety. And that's why people do crazy things when a pandemic starts, like hoard toilet paper and cans of soup and pile them up in their basement because they're worried about daily needs, daily bread, daily provisions. And so Jesus not only meets our spiritual hunger, But he promises that God will supply our every need. He teaches us to pray in the Sermon on the Mount. Lord, give us this day our daily bread and God will do it. So that's the first point. Jesus is God's provision for hungry people. Spiritually hungry, but don't forget, he meets our physical needs as well. Second thing I think it means when it says Jesus is the bread of life is Jesus provides what we need most, which is 
eternal life. Look at what he says in John 6.27. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Listen, there's something we need more than anything else, and that is a right relationship with God, a restored relationship with God. That's what eternal life is. Jesus himself defines eternal life in John chapter 17. You'll remember that's the chapter that has Jesus' high priestly prayer. Just before he's arrested, um, he prays. He prays that he would be glorified, that the Father would be glorified, and he prays for all his people of all time. And listen to what he prays. He prays to the Father, Now this is eternal life, Father, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. See, the Jews listening to Jesus preach this sermon in the synagogue that day, they understood what eternal life was. They knew it was life with God, kingdom life, the blessed life, the joyful life, abundant life, life now. And the Old Testament is full of talk about spiritual food, which is really talking about abundant life, life with God, covenant life. Deuteronomy 8.3 is the the best example we all know when Jesus quotes it. Uh, in, in the desert to Satan. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Psalm 23, the shepherd psalm. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He, in other words, he fulfills all my needs. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He's not talking about us eating grass out in the green pastures. He's talking about God meeting our needs, providing for us Uh, those who are his children. My favorite is uh, Isaiah 55, where the Lord says, come and buy wine and milk at no cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and labor on what does not satisfy? What's he speaking of? He's speaking of, of, of kingdom life, covenant relationship with God. He is our God, we are his people, and we walk with him in, in restored fellowship post-fall. True story. Last week, a week ago Saturday, I'm at Home Depot. If you go to Home Depot, you'll probably see me there sometime. I'm always doing projects. Don't get behind me in line. I go through the self-checkup, and I usually have a big, a big cart with two-by-fours and bricks and different things. So I'm coming out. I'm pushing my big cart out to my truck, and some guy runs out after me. And he says, excuse me, sir. Excuse me. He says, you dropped this. I'd left a little bag of screws. They fell off the cart that I was pushing out, and he picked it up. So he comes out to me, and he gives it to me, and I thank him, and then he says, may I ask you a question? I said, well, sure. He says, if you died today, do you know you'd go to heaven? I thought, okay, I'm this guy's evangelism project for the day at Home Depot. This is great. I'll play along. (laughs) I said, yes, I, I do know that I would go to heaven if I died today. He said, well, can you tell me how you know? And I said, well, yes, I can tell you how I know. 2,000 years ago, on a hill called Mount Calvary, Jesus died for me, and he is my Lord and Savior. And then he kind of looks sheepishly and goes, oh, you're a Christian. I said, yeah, and we had about a 10-minute delightful conversation 
uh, talked about the bread of life, the bread of life, Jesus Christ. And even though I didn't know this guy from Adam and he didn't know me from Adam, we had a bond in common. We were companions. You know what the word companion means? With bread. Because we shared together the bread, the bread of life and uh, eternal life. So we, we had a good discussion about eternal life. He said, y- you're not one of those Calvinists, are you? <laughs> I'm like, oh, well. And then he's like, well, we, I believe in eternal security. And I said, well, we have a different word for it. We call it perseverance of the saints or preservation of the saints. He goes, I like that. I like that. But it was a delightful conversation. But li- listen, our most important need in life is eternal life, a restored relationship with God. And when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, that is what he is indeed offering us. So that's number two. Number one, Jesus is God's provision for hungry, spiritually hungry and physically hungry people. Jesus provides what we need most, restored relationship with God, eternal life. That word, eternal life, happens, uh, I, I went to the concordance and I counted the number in John, it was like 20 right around 20-ish, I probably got it a little bit wrong, but uh, times that John uses that phrase, eternal life, and plus just the word life many, many times. The most famous example is John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him shall have eternal life. And then number three, last point, third point, Jesus invites us to feast on the truth of the gospel. Now, this is where I want you to have your Bible and, and check a few verses with me. Because this is a feast, folks. I want you to, I want you to consume these words of our Lord, okay? Um, verse 37. Jesus says, All those the Father gives to me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. Okay, now I'm gonna, what I want you to see here is the divine purpose and plan of God in our salvation. He says, all the Father gives to me will come to me. Do you realize that God gave you to Jesus, Christian? And Jesus says, whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. What a promise. Feast on the promise there. Um, I, I, I was reading the, the Babylonian Bee, which is that kind of satirical uh, Christian magazine, and they, uh, they had a little article that said, Calvinists um, produce new hymnal. And instead of, they had the songs in there, and instead of, I have decided to follow Jesus, they had, God has decided I'll follow Jesus. <laughs> well, that's kind of what Jesus says here in verse 37. All those the Father gives to me will come to me. Um, look at verse 39. And this is the will of him who sent me that I shall lose none of those he has given, but raise them up on the last day. Listen, it's the Father's will that Jesus keeps every single one of you who put your faith and trust in him. Rest assured in that. Look at verse uh, 40. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Listen, I know some of you have lost loved ones recently who were believers. The promise here is that they will be raised up on the last day and we will see them again. Feast on that. Beauty, the glory, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. 
and I will raise them up at the last day. No one, Jesus says, can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. That word draws, that's the same word that's used in the book of Acts when the disciples are arrested and they're dragged into prison. So it's interesting that we typically translate that draws, but um, it says God has to do something for us to come to Christ. He has to open our eyes. We have to be born again, John says in John chapter 3. We have to We have to have the Spirit do a work in our hearts to open our eyes to the beauty and glory of who Jesus Christ is. Great preaching alone won't do it. And we have great preaching here. We really do. I feel honored. I'm wearing Brandon's headset. It's really nice. It it works. It's great. Um, We have great preaching. Great preaching alone isn't enough. God has to do something. He's got to do a work. So what I wanted you to see in these verses is the divine purpose and plan in salvation. Feast on it. The Father draws. The Father gives. The Son receives. The Son keeps. The Son loses none of those he has given. So Jesus invites us to feast on the beauty of this, but it also calls for a response, doesn't it? It calls for a response. What do we have to do? John uses a couple of words over and over and over again. He says we have to come and we have to believe. Look at verse 35 again. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. What does it mean to come to Jesus or believe in Jesus? It means to put our trust in him alone. Marcia stated it beautifully, talking about how, how uh, you know, she asked Jesus to become her Lord and Savior. I, it was a beautiful testimony. Really, really enjoyed that. So to, to, to believe in Jesus, that we have to believe who he says he is. We have to believe that he's the bread of life, the Christ, the word of God. We have to believe that he's the one God sent into the world to live a sinless life. But in this passage, John also uses another word for the invitation to people in the sermon that Jesus gives. Uh, Jesus uses another word, and it's the word eat. Look at verse 51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. That went over well. Look at verse 52. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Friends, this was a showstopper. You know, the Jews began to argue, does this man really expect us to eat his flesh? But Jesus, Jesus goes on. He says in verse 53, Very truly I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day, for my flesh is real food, and my blood is real drink. Listen, I told you this was a barn burner of a sermon. There was shock and awe in the synagogue that day. The Levitical law forbids Jews from drinking blood. So they must understand, they have to understand He's not talking about them actually physically drinking his blood. There's no way. Uh, Drinking his blood, friends, 
means you have to accept his sacrificial death. His blood was spilled out for us on the cross. It means eating, eating uh, and drinking his, eating his flesh, drinking his blood, means we have to embrace him for who he is. We have to eat. No one else can eat for me. You can't eat for me. I can't eat for you. We have to eat the bread of life and, and, and put our personal faith in Jesus. Not just that he died in a general sense and rose again, but that he died for my sins. Rick Britton, sinner. Christ died for me on that cross. That's eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And in, in this account, then, we see two responses to Jesus' invitation. To feast on the truth of the gospel. And I'm going to end on these. And you can decide how you will respond um, as we prepare to celebrate communion together at the table. Um, let me just read. It's probably easier if I just read again to you um, the response. In fact, we didn't read this earlier. This is later in the chapter. So this is, I told you this is a watershed sermon, right? So response number one is the response of many of the disciples there. Verse 60, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. It's one of the hard sayings of Jesus. It really is. I struggle with it. The early disciples struggled with it, that Jesus had to die. He says, who, they say, who can accept it? For the Jews, the idea of a dying Messiah was a stumbling block. It was unacceptable. Look at verse 61. Aware that his disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe. Look at verse um, 65. He went on to say, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled them. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. This was a watershed moment. The person of Jesus Christ, when we answer that question, who is Jesus, and we see who he claims to be, it's a watershed. You have to either accept or reject. There's really no middle ground. And many people, many people walked away that day. They just couldn't accept who he was. They got it wrong, just like those news magazines I read every Lenten season. When they ask, who is Jesus, they say things like, well, he was a good teacher, he was an itinerant wise sage, he was a, you know, all kinds of things, but, but that, and some Christians think he's, you know, the son of God, God incarnate. Well, that is who he is. There's a second response, and, and we see it here, and I'll end, I will end on this. It says, uh, Jesus turns to his 12, and he says, verse 67, you do not want to leave too, do you? Jesus asked the twelve. Verse 68, Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. Friends, this is a monumental confession that Jesus makes. Lord, you have the words of, where are we going to go? 
You've got the words of eternal life. We saw you feed 5,000. You saved us. You walked on water and came out and took us ashore. Where are we going to go, Lord? You are the bread of life. We believe that you are the Holy One of God. And I love Peter. He's uh, the apostle with the foot-shaped mouth normally, but this is one time he gets it absolutely right. He's spot on. And friends, Jesus invites you to feast on the truth of the gospel, to feast on the bread of life. Jesus did not come only to give you bread, but he came to be your bread. Come, believe, eat the bread of life. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for Jesus. Lord, open our hearts to the beauty of the gospel and the beauty of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the words of eternal life. In Jesus' name, amen.